thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Chillinoy Podcast. Right now, please. Not right now. Just give me a second, okay? Come here. What do you have to say? Do you have something to say? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Chillinois Podcast. Today's episode includes Brian Box Brown, who, if you didn't know, is an American cartoonist. Brian produces the comic strip Legalization Nation, which I'm a huge fan of, and it's exactly the reason that I brought him onto this show. Legalization Nation focuses on some of the struggles we deal with as cannabis advocates, and as such, I definitely recommend checking it out. There will be links to all of Brian's content in the podcast description, and before we get into the episode, I wanted to remind you of two things. Our podcast is now available in video format. You can find that on YouTube or the WeedTube. Just search up Chillinois Podcast or go to chillinois.net slash YouTube and that'll redirect you to our YouTube or WeedTube channels, whichever platform you choose. Another reminder, you can support the Chillinois Podcast by going to chillinois.net slash support. You can support us with a one-time, monthly, or yearly donation, and that's of any size. So here's an idea. Contribute $1 monthly to the Chillinois podcast. In a year, you will have only contributed $12, which doesn't sound like much, but I assure you, every little bit counts. It costs a lot to afford distribution fees, licensing fees, and everything else that's required to distribute our content let alone all the equipment that is required to capture our content. So if you're able to support our podcast, it's greatly appreciated. If you're not in a position to be able to do that, that's also okay. We'll accept positive reviews as your support. Thanks for listening to the Chillinoy podcast and enjoy the episode. Well, hi, Brian. Hey. Welcome to the Chillinoy podcast. Looks like he got finger pistols. What are you doing over there? Yeah, I'm just screwing around. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, hey, that's what this place is for. Hey, for folks that don't know you, can you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience of the Chillinois podcast? Yeah, I'm a comic artist uh, from Philadelphia. Um, I've done a number of nonfiction books. Um, My book about Andre the Giant was a New York Times bestseller, Um, you know, I have, a, I have a book coming out in November um, and another one on the way after that. Um, and so uh, a lot of my stuff got pushed back during COVID. And um, uh, I ended up, you know, thinking about stuff I wanted to do. And at the same time, uh, just kind of becoming more and more radicalized <laughs> by the Pennsylvania medical cannabis system. Um, and, uh, I started this comic called Legalization Nation, which kind of documents the experience of the Pennsylvania cannabis patient, i.e. me. And uh, I kind of take a look at all different, uh, I try to look at all aspects of all across the country about legalization, but it does kind of have a particular Northeastern bend to it. Um, Anyway, so yeah, uh, you can find that at uh, boxbrown.com or my Twitter, boxbrown, or Instagram, boxbrown. Um, I have a Patreon for the comics called Legalization Nation. There's a Patreon, and uh, we just—I just started putting out uh, T-shirt designs to help support the comic as well. So 
uh, yeah, doing that. And, uh, it's, it's been cool. I mean, I think that, um, uh, I've been able to get actually people to come on my, on my comic strip that, uh, I didn't think maybe would care or, or, uh, come onto a comic strip, um, former regulators, regulators, mostly, um, but other people as well and people in the industry. And, um, so, but my whole, my whole focus is basically, uh, patient and consumer rights, essentially. I mean, I think that there's a lot of places where that overlaps with other, um, goals that people have in cannabis, small business, equity, and things like that. But my main focus is just because, because I feel like there's no, there's very little focus on this, but it's consumer, like how the consumer is doing in, in all these legalization schemes, because, um, you know, some, some states are way better than others. Some are really bad. Um, and, um, you know, now we're seeing some kinds of like changes as we go from these restrictive medical programs to what they're trying to make a not restrictive program, but still ends up being a, a, a not restrictive recreational program, but still ends up being quite restrictive. Um, and, um, and, 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 um, difficult for small business and, and difficult for equity businesses and just not really as competitive as they really want it to be or as it should be a good market should be. Um, and then you see other States where they did simple, made simple changes that where it's much more competitive and the market is much better. Um, you know, and I just don't think they, people view it through the consumer lens all that often. I think in the media, we see it, viewed through like a business lens almost exclusively. So it's like, you know, legal cannabis made X amount of dollars this year, so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. This, this celebrity has a new cannabis brand. Um, um, and when you think about what, <clears throat> when, you know, uh, when we get to talking about a consumer or patient, it's almost like there's a, you know, they have a certain consumer that they want to sell to, which is like, you know, white dudes in ties and stuff. Um, but when, when, when like any aspect of the cannabis culture comes up or a consumer that is a stoner, normal person, whatever, you know, they, they want to extract like a culture out of that because there's stigma against cannabis. And you know what I mean? But there, in another sense that they benefit from stigma because, you know, it's stigma that, um, you know, um, puts pressure on politicians or their own preconceived stigma that, you know, says that, you know, we have to have only six corporations running the entire cannabis industry in our state because it's so dangerous. Yeah. And, you know, so anyway, that was kind of a long-winded introduction to my <laughs> No, I loved it. And I know that people that listen to this show did too, man. You, you touched a, a lot of bases that, that frankly, I think folks that listen to this show care about. Um, one of the things you just pointed out, let me see if I can find um, 
our, yeah, this, here we go. Look at this convenience, convenience. I'm about to share my screen because Chillinoy is now, uh, we've got a video podcast folks. So if you want to check that out, go to chillinoynet slash YouTube, and you can see what we're about to view. This is a tweet that I saw that I, I think you maybe liked or whatever. Um, this is an old one. This is from uh, somebody who represents Cureleaf, I believe. Let's see. Let's oh, yeah. see who this guy uh-huh. is. Yeah, yeah. Founder yeah. and vice chairman of Cureleaf. And he's saying uh-huh. something that he's, this is something that's actually been thrown at the Chillinois podcast before. Yeah. Um, and I'm bringing this up in the spirit of, of what you just talked about, where they say they mm-hmm. sim- seem to forget about the, I, I would even go past the consumer, the individual. This should be about mm-hmm. legalizing cannabis, right? You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, definitely about people that choose to consume it, but really just all individuals should be able to cultivate, mm-hmm. possess, use as much as they want, need, or please. And it's interesting how they make these uh, types of arguments. Sometimes they'll say like, oh, we don't oppose home grow. We just support limitations. Yeah. Yeah. We support limitations because, and, and what they don't say here, and I can, I'll, I'll pull it up here in a moment. Um, but they basically have said to us, they use all of those same words, but the little addition that they made was that they believe that home grow without limitations will lead to an unregulated supply chain. Therefore, you know, blah, 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 this whole cataclysmic uh, scenario. Basically what they're saying is you're too stupid to, yeah. <laughs> to grow it yourself. Yeah, right? or it's, it'll be too dangerous for you to handle it. It's too dangerous. Own. Let us, yeah, yeah. these yeah, the small the number experts. of professionals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's endless. And it, and it just happens that all that stuff coincides with their profit motives, like exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very, it's rare that they have these contradictory ideas that don't absolutely coincide with their profit motive. Um, <laughs> right. You know, I, it's, it's just like so endless, all the, the endless BS from like every end of the business is very hard to find that's why i try to focus on consumer stuff because like you know small business is like i i want to support small business as much as possible insofar as i'm a consumer and i believe that small businesses serve the consumer the best way yeah and locally it can it's it's better too because it's fresher you know, it doesn't travel along from far away. It's ecologically, it's better to buy things. Anytime you're buying anything mm-hmm. or you're consuming, it's better to get it local. It's like any farmer buying your eggs or whatever it is. But also there's other stuff that, that can get, like in terms of business, when you get down to the nitty gritty with small business and large business and who should be licensed and when it should be licensed and, And, you know, we have all these different ideas of why, what should happen and when it should happen and and all this different stuff. But, and and there's a lot of places where small business, craft business and consumer interests like absolutely like mesh because like the concept of the craft business is to provide like a high quality product and all all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But at some point, those interests like separate because at the end of the day, the consumer is trying to get what they can get for the best possible price. Yep. And the person selling it is trying to sell it at at the 
a price that the market will bear. Um, so, and, and, and a lot, most of in, in the best businesses, best small businesses that I know of that I, 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 uh, you know, go to local for anything that I like go back to often, the, the interests like almost certainly like overlap a lot, but, but in the end, like w- the consumer needs should be like driving the business right? Like, um, that should be like paramount, I feel, in terms of, of what drives all of it, because it all depends on consumers, right? All the money, all the big money, all the stuff that people want, you know, that all depends on consumers getting what they want, really, which is, you know, access to a lot of cannabis. I mean, I think we see this thing, like, on the East Coast here, um, it's probably, I'm not sure what, I, I actually was like, I need, I'm excited to talk to, to you because you're in Illinois and I'm like, not so as versed in what's going on in Illinois now. Um, but um, there's this thing, these concepts in Jersey and Vermont talking about like, what's the, they're trying to calculate the amount of cannabis needed for any specific area. And in my mind, it's like you can take how much it's needed and how much is consumed in that area, and you actually need to like multiply it by like ten, fifty times because really, in a in a market that's functioning, it's not just meeting the absolute subsistence needs of the customer. There's stuff that doesn't get sold because it's not good, and there's stuff that gets sold out because it's great, and like. The idea that you can just like reach this minimum of what needs to be consumed and that's going to be enough for the market is is bullshit because people actually need a larger, they need to have a larger selection than what they're actually going to consume because that's what, what people want. People want to go in and you want to be like, all right, I'm going to pick from this selection of a whole bunch of different shit and get like the best of the best or if, or, you know, if, for instance, at that day, my goal is not necessarily to get the best weed that exists because it's the most expensive. Usually maybe mm-hmm. my goal is to like, I only have like 10 bucks on me. I want to go get something that's going to be worthwhile. And, and even in, at that price point, I want to have a selection there too of, of, you know, maybe I'll get a pre-roll. Maybe I'll get like a, a small edible. Maybe I'll get blah, 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 blah. So like when you look at, when you look at markets like in California, which is like or Colorado, California, my sister lives in like Northern California and her selection at her dispensary is like, there's, uh, there's products, there's multiple products at every single price point from like a dollar to like $130, you know? Right up and down, all kinds of shit. It's way more than the average person would ever need, but you want that. To, you want the choices. It's like go to a candy store and like there's, yeah. If the only thing that's there is like Hershey bars and M&Ms. Yeah, yeah. sure. That'll be enough for the market or whatever to, to satisfy their needs. But it's better to go to the candy store that has, fucking everything 
and you go and you get a giant fucking Rice Krispie treat that's like this big or like whatever, like by the pound stuff, you know, anything you can imagine, Willy Wonka shit. That's the kind of stuff the consumer wants. It's indicative in those candy stores and in liquor stores and how much different types of coffee there are in the market and, and uh, fuck, like you name it. <laughs> yeah. People just want wide variety of stuff, and especially this type of product. You know, it's not aspirin. Yeah, absolutely. Here's a, one of your comics that I think uh, from Legalization Nation folks, um, which is it's how I became aware of you. Uh, I quickly became a fan of your work. And one of the things that you point out in this comic was that, uh, you know, five licenses for a state of mm-hmm. 21.6 million people, you know, mm-hmm. among other things yeah. that you're pointing out here. So, yeah. So this is in Florida, right? So, but this is Florida is no different than uh, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. That's, that's what I was going to point out, man. A lot, you know, yeah. you said you've not, you may not be as familiar with uh, Illinois, but like, um, oh, I say Illinois. What's going on yeah. in Illinois? I'm just trying to be yeah. clever. Um, <laughs> it's it's going to sound very familiar. Let me put yeah. it that way. Uh, yeah. So, know. like, I know there's a lot of the same players. Like, yeah. I mean. I could look at it and make predictions, but I don't have a lot. Um, I'm not on the ground. Cause it's like, I hear you. Yeah. I, I was talking to uh, um, a dude from Amsterdam not that long ago. And we were talking about, so we talk a lot about uh, in, in the transition of the rec market um, uh, first mover advantage. So it's like, you know, and you guys are seeing this, like, this is like the, Illinois is like a test case for first mover advantage where it's like all these, medical companies got the market first and then everybody else got delayed into infinity. Yeah. We're, we're also Uh, the first company to pioneer a social equity program. And I put that in quotes for reasons you already know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like that, they ended up in all those licenses are delayed. And also there was like 40 of them. Am I wrong? Or like, like, so it was like all these people fighting over a very small amount of actual resources. Yeah. Um, so, but what happened, so in, so I was talking to this from Amsterdam, he was, you know, we talk a lot about the first mover advantage, people coming in and getting to the market first. And he was talking about first mover disadvantage and, and they have it. And I think Illinois kind of has it in Massachusetts to a certain extent where you guys legalized first and got to market first and everything. But now the, when you legalize, you like go over this hump where like the activists get get less active. So now you've made all these big changes and now it's hard to get people to make, to rally, to make changes again, because if people are like, dude, we already, we legalized, look, you can go buy weed right there. And you're like, no, but there's actually this thing. So what happens is to happen in Amsterdam, right? So they don't even have it. They never actually legalized. It's like this, this like, gray market thing that just like you know is decriminalized in certain areas and certain ways or whatever and they want to have like a legal market like the way they have in the u.s and they can't get people to rally because they're like dude we have a legal market it's right there yeah. um so i think that's a lot what we're seeing in in places like illinois and massachusetts and it's like 
Men, oh boy, it's, it's just really tough because then everybody's trying to point to the last person that legalized and be like, take what they did, yeah, part of what they did, and then put their own spin on it. Yeah, everybody has to put their own little spin on it. Is this uh, the comment you were or comic you were referring to the Netherlands and lo- do yeah. not lose energy? Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like this one. I like this one a lot. So yeah, this one is like about safe banking, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But you mentioned yeah. the Netherlands here, and you and you yeah, say yeah, that yeah. Mm-hmm. you know don't don't lose the energy to legalize. You know, we're at the precipice of a national corporate olig- oligopoly. Yeah, um, I mean, I I think. It's crazy because like there's all these big companies, right, that are in like eleven states, Cureleaf, whatever, mm-hmm. True Leave is in all these states. But <laughs> they it looks good on paper, but like if you ever look at like True Leave's social media account, it's just like dog shit. Like no one gives a fuck. Like it's just this horrible thing. That's they're like the biggest company in, in the country. And then yeah. meanwhile you look at like um uh, <clears throat> Jungle Voice, which is like one dispensary in California, and they have over a million followers on Instagram on like just one of their accounts. Like that, mm-hmm. like so. It's like <laughs> these these huge companies, right, are afraid of that. Like that's their biggest fear. Like because they can't compete. Like the Jungle Boys have them beat. Like and say what you will. I mean, I mean it's like the most hype fucking thing in LA or whatever, but they haven't beat in quality. They can beat them on price and yeah. they have the culture. The culture is like absolutely dominantly behind <laughs> jungle boys. And nobody wants to even associate with the culture of true leave. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like who's going to be, who's walking around buying true leave t-shirts just for the fucking or, you know, you think of somebody like cookies or something like that, like, like that people are, so why don't you even associate themselves with the brand? They're like, it's like wearing shirts like Nike. Yeah. I can't imagine like somebody doing that with, with like a purely sweatshirt walking around. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like those people are afraid. I mean, there's no way they could compete. They can't. I mean, like look at Cresco, who's big in Illinois, right? I mean, that's where they're from. Yeah. And they're big here they operate in California and they sell their shit for like a third of the price of what they're selling. In- yeah. And in Arizona, they, they yeah. sell it for about a third of the price as well. Yeah. It's pretty, and, yeah. and look, are they competing? Is, are they the biggest company in fucking California? No, like nobody in California is like coming and buying a Cresco. I mean, yeah. it's just like not really happening. And uh, so then to, to think that they, you know, they, they, they couldn't, you know, then they look at their practices and they're clearly doing things to reduce competition. Yeah. They can't compete. Reduce competition or uh, like you've pointed out, reduce uh, rights. Before we get any further, I just wanted to reiterate sitting down with uh, Brian Box Brown. You can go to boxbrown.com, right? To uh, Mm -hmm. view all your content. Right. Yep. Gets you everywhere. And that'll get you to the Patreon and stuff to Mm -hmm. support. Awesome. Yeah. So folks do support your, uh, your creators. I really like this one. Cause you mentioned Illinois in this one. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to read this one for our, uh, or actually, do you want to read the one, read it for our uh, listeners that are uh, uh, sure. uh, not yeah, watching so the video? Uh, so it's a uh, 
Homegrown home grow seems like it should be part and parcel. Uh, can you move that back? It's kind of like uh, yeah. like zoom it out. No, 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 hold on. I can only see part of the image. <laughs> oh, weird. <laughs> weird. Uh, um, like, all right, don't don't move it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> right. Homegrown seems like it should be part and parcel with legalization. For the most part, it has been but it's come with consistent pushback from corporate cannabis. This will hurt our little nascent market, the corporate cannabis people say. Uh, we see legislators parrot this talking point as if it's relevant. Uh, this will hurt the uh, nascent recreational cannabis market. That was a New Jersey state senator saying that, Nick Scutari. He's actually the New Jersey Senate president. Um, the only states who have legalized adult use but not home grow are Washington, Illinois, and New Jersey. But in Washington and Illinois, they've legalized medical home grow. So if you need home grow, need to home grow, you can. Um, in practice, uh, home grow has not harmed uh, this nascent industry. Um, further, New Jersey's laws were not even updated when they legalized when they legalize. So home growers still face prison time in the garden state. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. And I wanted to bring this up because you talk about, you know, these, these uh, companies and, and competition and kind of how scared they are of competition. It seems yeah. they're also intimidated by home grow. And by I'd say that grow. any, you know, professional shouldn't be intimidated by a, a home gardener. It's just like yeah. the people that make to chiquita they're not worried about bananas you know what i mean like, <laughs> yeah exactly i mean it doesn't really make sense when you think about like the culture i think you know um if you're like an mba that knows nothing about cannabis and you're in a meeting with a bunch of other mbas that don't really know much about cannabis and you're thinking about how can we have a total hold on the market you'd be like yes don't let them home grow because that'll flood the market and really anybody that has been around cannabis at all, let alone attempted to grow cannabis, knows that it's not, it's not even as, first of all, I tried to grow tomatoes in my backyard. I'm not very good at it. And it's way more difficult than that. And so like, you can't really, if you're a great, <laughs> making a product at a professional level, it would be like a, 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 a restaurateur being afraid of somebody growing <laughs> lettuce in their backyard cooking at home like yeah exactly like no, 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 if you're allowed to eat at home it's going to put the restaurants out of business um it, or like if spam putting uh you know steak out of business like it just like doesn't it doesn't really make sense and really you know there's plenty of states that allow home grow it doesn't affect sales like at all in the competitive market because really people don't want to I mean, some people like to garden and home grow, but it's, it's a hobby, really, more than anything. It's, it's like home brewing. I mean, you know, it's either people that are just fucking around or people that are like, actually, I'm pretty good at this. I want to practice my skill on my own and maybe like come up with some crazy shit or get into the industry. It, you know, like... Um, you have a cannabis industry, you need people to, to work it and that know shit about growing cannabis and like how to do it. And, and uh, you can't just be like, oh, you're, no one's allowed to touch cannabis unless you go to like cannabis college or something. 
Yeah. And that's where you get your whole industry. No, it's an easy thing to do. And like it, uh, equity and access is all about being able to access a plant and have access to um, opportunity. And part of that is learning about cannabis on your own. And frankly, um, uh, not to cut you off, but frankly, I'm bringing up the, the quote that I was referencing from Curaleaf earlier. This is an iteration of what they had, had said in this other tweet. Um, limitations equal the continued criminalization of cannabis simply put and yeah. if we're trying to legalize it that must include home grow it, it would be like it you say if we you know you can eat tomatoes but you can't grow your own tomatoes like it'd be one thing yeah. if it was an invasive species or something and it was like an ecological like risk yeah. that we were taking you know but, no, but it's like Cureleaf is a, a company that's taking both sides of that they're saying you know being able to grow it is dangerous but being able to sell it not dangerous um, yeah it's like uh, they're talking out of both sides of their mouth because it's, you know, it's they're, they're only using the facts when it's when it's convenient for them. Um, and you're right. When it, if if you are uh, limiting the capacity of home growers, you have to have a license to home grow, things like that. You are keeping people criminalized, or you're only criminalizing the people who can't afford to get their license or, or right. don't know about licensing. Um, and you know, when does it end? You're, you know, when, when are you, you know, you can carry, you know, as much weed as you want at like a, a, a garbage can full of weed, but if it's attached to dirt still now it's, you can't carry it's it. Still like, rooted. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you're possessing it one way or the other. I mean, it's clearly, and it's such a petty, you're right. It's such like a petty thing. It would be like McDonald's coming in and being like shutting down a, a, a hot dog vendor or something like that. Like, yeah. um, it's like, dude, you have, that's, that's, come on. This is like part of business, right? Competition. Yeah. And let's take on one of the, the main critiques, I think, of home grow and legalization itself. And you, you illustrated this in a comic of yours. I hope you're all right with me sharing oh, these cool. comics. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, I wanted to give people a feel for your art. Uh, so folks, once again, if you're listening to the audio, I apologize. This is more of a visual podcast. If you go to chillinoy.net slash YouTube, uh, you can see these awesome comics. I liked this one and I think it's important to address because in the spirit of homegrown and just in the spirit of like arguments against um the legal market, they'll say that, you know, Oh, this, all this diversion, all this cannabis that's flowing out of the state when really it's, it's the result of pent up demand because, you know. Yeah. I mean, I talk a lot about this comments about uh, Oklahoma. That's always like, they'll go to Oklahoma as like an example. You know, look at Oklahoma. There's a, you know, um, oversupply and, and all this stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, there's a lot of oversupply in Oklahoma because, every state surrounding Oklahoma is illegal and there's still <laughs> of demand for all this stuff. And where do you think it's coming from? Like it, 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 also, it makes me crazy because like, you know, um, they don't blame Oklahoma for that really. And, and it's not really Oklahoma's fault. It's Texas's fault. Mm-hmm. Texas is the one that's not, that doesn't have legal stores. Like they want to stop having illegal cannabis in their state legalized cannabis. Yeah. Because like there's no, 
we've we've come to this conclusion, right? I mean, like this is all that it is is that it's illegal. Um, it, it, it's only it's not it's there. You can't. It doesn't spring up when it becomes legal. I mean, like, and it's the whole thing too. I think when we talk a lot about um, um, shipping over state lines and things like that, like that's impossible. You know, how, you know, um, all this stuff like that's like a big hurdle that needs to be crossed, being able to ship stuff over state lines. And it's like, dude, every state in the country gets pounds and pounds and tons and tons and tons of weed sent to it every day via the regular post office. Mm-hmm. Like an entire countrywide market, the entire country in, in states where it's legal, where it's illegal. You know, in states like, I would imagine in, in Illinois, there's a lot of cannabis that comes from out of state Michigan it's really close to theirs big market I mean yeah. and even stuff from you know with the, with the what prices in Illinois I would imagine that there's even still market for out of state stuff that was always there like California stuff and yeah I was just thinking about this today frankly with the prices as high as they are in Illinois it makes it really like kind of like like, yeah, I mean, I could make a lot of money if I just sell it for a little bit less than these motherfuckers are selling it for. Like, I mean, you know? really, that's kind of what, so what, so in PA, it's not, you know, we don't have a recreational market. We have a medical market, but it's pretty robust in terms of a limited market, limited MSO controlled medical market. It's, it's, there's like 20 MSOs or something operating. Um, and the cannabis is like really expensive. Mm-hmm. And uh, so like, you know, people get their cars and they go to the dispensary, you know, a handful of times. And, and cause it's exciting at first. You're like, Oh yeah. And then eventually you're like, well, this is the same. This is just weed with pack in packaging. Like I can just get it from the person I was getting it from before for cheaper. And, and so they put up all these billboards and stuff all over that are like buy weed it's like on route 90 i-95 people driving in and out of the city you're driving home from work it's like yeah just go buy weed right there yeah and so what i was thinking is like eventually all those billboards are just advertisements for the black market because yeah you see a big sign that's like oh yeah weed yeah when i get home i'm just gonna call my weed <laughs> weed guy because you're not actually gonna go to the dispensary because you've already been there a handful of times you ran out of your 30% off coupons for being a new customer. And now everything is, you know, triple what you actually want to pay for it. And so, you know, and then especially where, when it's legal too, full recreational, you know, why not? I mean, like, look at, you can go right now from Philadelphia drive to Maine Buy stuff at on at 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 full price, market level price. Walk in retail level. Come back to Philly and sell it at a profit, a handsome profit, and still beat the prices of the local dispensaries. <laughs> so, like this, this can't hold up forever. Like the yeah. imaginary walls are, are just. There's only a matter of time before people are like, what? This is pointless. Everything has to, you know. And I'm, I'm hopeful that we're seeing that 
trickle because I think through work, I really think you do a huge part in this man of making people aware um, uh, people like you and, and people that are focusing on this mesh message and using the words like limited license market, oligopoly, you know, because this is what this yeah. is and people don't understand. Yeah. I was going to ask you, you know, besides awareness, which is in kind of what you're, what you're doing and you're doing a great job of it. Um, besides making people aware, what do you think? Cause you know, you talked about the, your, your heart is with the consumer. What do you think will, maybe correct our course is that does my question make sense so yeah um so i don't know <laughs> i mean uh they say that uh, i mean in my mind the thing that fixes everything is a free market is, is an open free market um you know if they allowed shipping over state lines tomorrow i mean i think we talk. I talked to a lot of people about how state, the state lines thing is gonna. It's gonna fucking change everything, but it's gonna fuck some people up. Um, yeah. Um, but also, if you think about it, if you don't, like, if small businesses don't have an access to shipping over state lines, their market is only limited to who's near where they are. You know that makes it very difficult to grow. You know, small businesses, you know, I know as a small uh, as illustrator, like you grow via online, like you can't, you're not just focused on, you know, your market's very small if you're focused on just the people right in your general vicinity. Right. Um, and so, you know, it would be super beneficial for small businesses to have the ability to ship over state line. Now you're, now you live in Rhode Island you can ship wherever. Whereas if you don't have that and you have your business in Rhode Island, you'd have to move, you know, it'd be beneficial to you to move to a place where there's more people that you could yeah. possibly sell to. Whereas if you could ship over state lines, now you can have a small business in Iowa or something where, 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 um, you know, um, r real estate's cheap and the weather maybe, I don't know about Iowa, what Iowa is like, but the place where the weather's good and you can do whatever, you know, um, and, and there's land and <clears throat> space to do this, and then you can ship all over the country, you know, um, that's going to change everything. I mean, um, but also I know there's a lot of people worried about, you know, what's it, it, that works both ways. So now Cureleaf can ship over state lines too, and and they have all this money to to expand, 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 expand. Listen, there's going to be some, I know everybody's worried about big tobacco and all these other big, you know, Amazon and everybody getting into cannabis. There's going to be big brand cannabis in the United States. I mean, if there's national market. There's going to be national market cannabis. It's going to exist. There's going to be Marlboro, maybe not Marlboro, but like something. It's look at like, I always think it's going to be like Stiltsy. Yeah. or whatever from California. Stizzy, like yeah. Huge, yeah, they're like a huge brand and, you know, are competing in California, which is a very well, competitive market, have been around for a long time, have a big social media presence. And, you know, I feel like what, if there's a national market, they could easily compete against somebody like a Cure Relief. Um, so, you know, I feel like it's going to be somebody like that that is actually lean business savvy 
for this industry company. Whereas like a cure leaf or like a, you, in my one comic, I talk about truly is like, they didn't know shit about weed. They just knew that they could get a license because they knew a dude. <laughs> and that's, that's one of the things that I wanted to, that's what, where I'm kind of going with this is that it seems like consumers, um, I'm saying this to get people fired up in the, in the best sort of way. They're all talk and no, no show. Like they don't show up to lobby day. They don't mm. talk to their representatives about these things. And um, those people do. And, and like one thing that I've made the mistake right. of saying in the past, right. I, I've made the mistake of saying in the past that these companies are good at lobbying. They're actually not good at lobbying. They just have a lot of money to throw at lobbying. Yeah, they have a lot of resources. That's and so, thing, yeah. I mean, like consumers, you know, you're right. Not a lot of people go at, come out to protest and things like that, but they're not being paid to do it. You know, yeah. like all these places are paying extremely savvy, rich lawyers to go into talk to like talk the talk and walk the walk with these politicians and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, uh, I was thinking the other day, like they talk about voting with your dollars. You know, it's impossible to vote with your dollars if your candidate candidate's not on the ballot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> there's no way for you to buy from a local somebody that you want to support if they're not even able to be there, you know? Right. Um, so you're, you're right. That's why I'm always, there needs to be a strong, there used to be, you know, I think normal used to be this. And I feel like it's become a little bit unwieldy now. It's so big. And there's so many small chapters and stuff that I feel like every state maybe needs their own consumer group. I always think like, you know, consumer reports or something like that, or like a Ralph Nader-esque consumer group that can just focus on the consumer's needs, you know? And consumer's needs can, can coincide with business needs. Yeah. You know? Um, at times it doesn't always have to because uh, uh, right now uh, consumers are relying on nonprofits and um, other lobbying groups that are lobbying for businesses also and so you can't you know you can't if you look at I'm not going to make normal the punching bag just they're like the biggest company and they're trying to they're trying to represent such a broad coalition that it's difficult to focus on the patient's needs. And there's not a lot of, well, there's a lot of business organizations focusing on business needs. There's, you know, trade organizations. There's a lot of nonprofits that um, help small business, help equity groups, um, a lot of networking groups, um, tons of business stuff going on. There's less, um, organization of consumers around consumer needs. And even if you look at any of the bills, I mean, I'm, I follow bills all over Pennsylvania and um, watch, you know, I'm, I'm watching these hearings and stuff. And there's almost never, are they like, okay, today we're going to listen to three patients in the program. Like that just has never happened. Like it's always like, here's three business representatives, here's a lawyer, here's a cop or something. <laughs> There's never, almost never are they like, here's a bunch of patients who, you know, 
you know, and the patients are like the most desperate people. They finally get their chance to speak and they're like, listen, I use cannabis to treat my autism and uh, it cost me $480 every two weeks to buy an ounce. And, or I use it to treat my ADHD and it cost me, it would cost me a thousand dollars a month to do that with cannabis or I could get it off the black market for a third of the price, or I could go on Ritalin for $10 a month because it's covered by insurance. Right. Um, you know, patients have, you know, when you think about cannabis and how cheap and easy it is to grow and how much, be, how much beyond the production cost patients have been paying in these states for a decade now. Um, it's cr so criminal. Um, how much can how much extra cancer patients have paid just in like the state of New Jersey since 2012. It's, it's so criminal. It's millions and millions and millions of extra dollars that just, you know, went so far beyond the level of how much the shit costs to produce. Yeah. Uh, it's it's mind blowing, and and uh, it's, these are all patient populations. A lot of most of these states, you know, that that are limited license states, started out as limited license medical states first. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, it's it's uh, very rare you see a, a state that doesn't do that skips over the medical part and just goes straight to full both. That almost never happens, and you know the same thing. You're seeing it happen again, like in other states. So like. At, uh, Georgia just like legalized medical cannabis and they had you know a bid out there for the five companies that are going to service the entire state of Georgia and this yeah. is in 2021 and we're just seeing it happen again and again and again just mm -hmm. infuriating that's why I started making the comics because I was just going too crazy on Twitter all the time about it. And <laughs> the comics are making me feel a little bit more I could get it out of my system yeah well here's uh here's you know, on the note of price gouging, I thought this was a, this was an interesting one. This is one of the first comics I saw from you. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about how this one came together. Uh, it's pretty yeah. cool. You got to talk to this dude. Yeah. So, um, uh, so this was price gouging in, Oh yes. In the state of New Jersey. Right. So, um, um, New Jersey, you, you know, there's cure leaf all over New Jersey. It's like there's not that many places operating in New Jersey. One of them's cure leaf, one of them's green thumb industries. Um, cure leaf sells weed in uh, in New Jersey for like 500 bucks an ounce, 60 bucks an eighth times eight. You know, you, you, there's no like quarter bags. There's no ha you know ounce bags. It's all just if you want an ounce, eight times eight, and um, we, then we have uh, Maine, where it's a very competitive market. You know, Careleaf opens up in Maine, and they couldn't sell an ounce of weed for 400 anything dollars in Maine. So at that Careleaf in Maine, which is, you know, from where my mom lives in New Jersey, it's like five hours and five minutes to, to the southern Maine. And... You know, 
they're selling an ounce there for $75 to a maximum $125. That's the base price before any discount. And so that's like, I don't know, two, three, four times more than they're selling for in just a five hour drive away in New Jersey. And uh, it was actually my friend, Chris Goldstein, who filed, filed the first complaint in New Jersey. And the state's attorney said that they couldn't regulate medical prices. Um, and so and we were like, well, that's, you need a special law to like regulate, say they were, they were price gouging uh, fucking Pepperidge Farm goldfish. Would we need to write into a new law that says we need, the, we have the ability to regulate the prices of goldfish before you can step in and do anything here? No, we'd be like, look, they're selling goldfish for $20 a bag in New Jersey and for $2 a bag in fucking Massachusetts or Maine, there's something going on here. That's not right. What's happening. Um, and so what happens is I think, you know, because, because we're ignoring federal law in terms of the legal status of cannabis, people think, and, and politicians think, and, and, and generally it's just accepted that you can ignore other laws federal laws, consumer protection, things like that. Um, so we have to like draw the line. We, we want legal cannabis and we're following regulations and who can grow and who can't grow, all that type of stuff, but we're ignoring price gadgets. I mean, you know, and then they, the argument is always like, well, it's much more expensive to grow the weed in New Jersey than it is in, in Maine. And, um, uh, it's just not true. I mean, it's the same, it costs the same amount of money to grow the weed wherever you're growing, wherever you are. Um, and it's like the weed in New Jersey is grown differently or, or the, the vape oil is made differently in New Jersey than it is in Pennsylvania or, or Maine. It's the same product. And they'll, they'll say, oh, but we, you know, we can't ship over state lines. So these are all separate companies. It's like, yeah, you can't, for one thing, you are moving genetics over state lines because where are you getting the genetics from? And two, uh, you are also moving talent, moving all of your, uh, um, what's, what's that called? Uh, point, point of sale stuff, all of your, yeah. your everything, you know, all of your business plans, all of your operating procedures, all of your advertising materials, all your packaging, all your designing, everything, except for the actual product is you're working in concert with, with everybody. Um, and so, uh, yeah, madness. It is crazy. It's crazy. And we see it here. Um, one of the questions I, th um, you had a quick, oh yeah, I saw a question that you posted on Twitter today and I was like, hey, it'd be a good opportunity to remind people that this is an option. So, um, oh, hey, maybe I, maybe I did tweet it to you. Oh, never mind, I didn't tweet it to you. Um, uh, you asked, like in other states, if consumers can test their own cannabis, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. in Illinois, most of the labs do not allow you to test your own cannabis. Yeah, However, there, there, is, there is one 
um, that is accredited by the state that, that tests cannabis for some cultivators that will allow consumers to test their own cannabis, both from the store. We've actually had uh, some journalists on from the Chicago Sun-Times who bought cannabis from a store and then took that cannabis and had it retested. Oh, wow. Yeah, and found that it actually failed for mold. Disparities, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, nine of the 10 pre-rolls uh, that they purchased wow. failed. Yeah, so it yeah. wasn't a low number. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's it's an option that doesn't seem to be offered to, to a lot of people, but um, it does seem it's to be a, popping up. It's a huge up. thing. I mean- Look, when we talk about, in my opinion, and I know people want regulated weed and, and all this stuff, but we, a lot of times these regulation procedures end up raising the price for businesses all the time, which eventually raise the price for consumers. And if you just had a lab available to the public uh, for a nominal fee, it would allow people to get tested their stuff tested if they want to the people don't care like in maine you don't have to get your stuff tested a lot of companies do get their stuff tested and it has their, their information on it but you don't have to and people some people don't care some people do um and and so a lot of times also it's been from my experience the stuff that gets tested and the information that's on the side of the box isn't even actually like information that you need. Um, like it's not really safety info. Like, so the information on the side of the box in Pennsylvania is like how much THC is in it, how much CBD is in it, CBN, that stuff. And then what are the terpenes? Um, and it's like, whatever, that's the information. And so, that's not safety information at all. Like that's just telling you a little, it's like value added information, really. It's not telling you what went into this particular brand, this type, this cannabis, like how it was grown, nothing like that. It doesn't tell you the mold count, the, any of the count things they test for is none of that information is on the side of the box or on the sticker. The only thing that's there is the THC percentage which is like, they call that safety information, but it's not really. I mean, yes, I guess you should know if your weed is like 25% THC or 15% THC or whatever. But it's, it's not, not really safe. useful information either. It's not, I mean, it, it, it's good to know. I always call it value added. It's nice. Sure, value but, added. Uh, I'll give you that. Yeah, but like... Um, it's not really safety info though. It's, right. it's not, and they call it safety info and it, it passes for safety info, but it's not. Yeah. It's also like not accurate, like in the sense that because of batch variability, like just because the batch tested at 25%, like that's where that was the samples that were pulled out of the batch. Like there's yeah. no guaranteeing that your eighth is this 20 per, 25%, but then you look at products like alcohol and they do have a consistency. Like, you know, when you drink a bush light that it's a, mm -hmm. a bush light, you know, it's not like yeah. one light's going to get you super fucked up and another one's not, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, consistent. yeah, I mean, it, that's true too. I mean, you could produce product like that. I mean, for not weed, that not flour, but you can make a concentrate where you're like, this is exactly, I mean, distillate, this is a hundred percent THC. Um, 
I, but I mean, I think people appreciate the differences and, and you're right. I mean, Absolutely. like in, in my opinion, like, I mean, I mean, I've been smoking weed for a really long time. And so it's hard for me to talk to like a beginner and give them advice on these things. But in my opinion, like there's not that much difference between like a really high THC weed and like a regular THC weed. But there is a big difference between weed and fucking live resin. Big difference. It would be like beer, vodka. You know what I mean? These are two totally different things. You take one hit here, here you might not smoke a joint. You know what I'm saying? So, like, so there, I think it's like you definitely need to know: is this as strong as weed? Is this yeah. as strong as a joint? You know, like that's information that is necessary. But that's like less exact information. I think that you could. It's more like this is as strong as weed. It's weed strength you know it, i think a lot of times when you look at those things and it's like this is 39 percent thc like and it's weed i'm like no it's not like <laughs> it, would, it would be like so sticky and resinous like it would I, I don't know yeah like that information to me is like yeah it's like value-added information it's like do you look at your wine and it's like oh it has these nodes of these flavors in it it's like yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I just, I, I am skeptical right now of, uh, not so much actually. Yeah. Some test results. I mean, you just shared an article yeah. today, I think where Arizona, yeah, Arizona people are yeah. charged like, and it's happened in, uh, a lot of States. There's a lot of accusations. Connecticut recently. There's, there was a recall recently in PA. There's been recalls and yeah, a huge and, one uh, in, in Pennsylvania. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah. and there's been recalls in all over. Um, yeah. yeah, no, 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 that, that, that's, and the lab thing is big too. Like, if you don't yeah. have an honest lab, like, what are we paying for that? <laughs> right. Because, like, that's, that's what people talk about when, when they talk about legal weed. You know, the one thing no one really argues with is that you want to, you want regulated wheat, right? Like, you want it to know that it's safe. And I'm always like, yes, I do want to know if it's safe. Problem is that, the regulated weed doesn't tell me if it's safe. And a lot of times it's not safe. And there's, so I think there's something that can be done in terms of the processes that go on that can make the weed always safe. And it's like the same thing we do at like restaurants and stuff. Just send somebody in there occasionally at random, not even regularly. Pull shit. If it's not passing, passing tests, find them and you know people can lose their licenses the same thing that happens in restaurants you don't have to test every piece of lettuce that you eat at a restaurant down to the molecular level Mm -hmm. to know that it's safe you just trust that the mechanisms are going on are people the safety people are going to the restaurant making sure that it's safe randomly so the restaurant can't prepare for it that's how it works and in the spirit of your restaurant analogy, I wanted to refine like what I meant by saying like, cause it, it might seem like I'm being like a, a, contra- a contrarian with regard to like the THC thing. What I mean is that like, as we've learned, like it's a, it's one of a number of cannabinoids, right? Sure. So in, in the spirit of your uh, restaurant uh, analogy, it'd be like the additions you've seen to menus, which 
look, I don't know everything that's been added, but for example, calorie count and they're like gluten options. Uh, what are, you know, just different dietary information has been regulated to be added to the menu so that you know more about like what you're about to buy or, you know, something like that. Um, and so like in the spirit of that, I, I feel like cannabis needs to like catch up. Like, first of all, people need to be more interested in reading COAs, but second of all, we need to learn more. And this is, it's kind of like, we're stuck in this, like, catch 22. Uh, what I'm about to say is we need to learn more about these cannabinoids. Well, we can't because it's illegal. Mm. Right. So it's yeah. like, how do we get out of the other, other than just legal, yeah. like we need to get out of the spiral so that we can figure out. Cause we know. So you just said like, it'll have THC, CBD. Sometimes it'll have a few other cannabinoids listed, but we know mm. there's over, there's hundreds of cannabinoids in yeah. cannabis. And so like, I, I just have to wonder like, what do these other cannabinoids do? And maybe, maybe, you know, we find out, you know, that some are pretty crazy and, and we have actually, you know, I, I saw you yeah. did comics about like THCO and stuff, which I thought your perspective was very interesting on, on THCO um, specifically. Yeah. I was actually going to pull that one up, but go ahead. Uh, just that like all the new cannabinoids don't have the, the time testing yeah. regular cannabis has been used and cultivated for like 10,000 plus years, like the entire history of humanity. Yeah. Um, and no, and yeah, let's be clear, that. you're talking about the ones that, and I want to pull your comic up for it because I think the visual really actually helps in this case. You're talking about cannabinoids that are synthesized from hemp. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, and this is just like another thing that is a byproduct of, of uh, lack of federal legalization. I mean, mm -hmm. this is just people selling, you know, figuring out a way uh, it, when they created the, the um, farm bill that legalized hemp, they worded it in this very specific way that basically allowed every single part of the cannabis plant to be legalized except for THC specifically. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, uh, there's all these different things people are synthesizing from hemp, which is like low THC cannabis, which has THC in it. Right. And so it's, it's weird the way that the term, what the word hemp has meant has changed a lot over the years. And so, you know, when you just talk about hemp, you meant like a shit, you, they made rope out of it. And it was like not weed at all. Like if you ever see industrial hemp, it's like really tall, and you're, you're growing it for these long stems. So you, they're fibrous that you can they pull yeah. apart and it's like you make it into roof. And then if you look at like what's called like hemp now, if you went to like a hemp farm in Kentucky, well, it's just like a fucking cannabis farm. It's just like weed everywhere. Um, no real difference there. It's just that it's low by weight in THC. And so that by weight thing also like allows a lot of loophole action where it's like, you, you can like literally order online gummies that are like 2.5 to um, 5%, yeah, five milligrams THC in a gummy. You can just buy those because by weight, you know, THC weighs like nothing. So by weight, yes, it's less than 0.03% of the gummy, but it's still, it's like no difference. Like this is a, it, it, it's just like mind blowing. It's like, you know, and we're still waiting on all this stuff. I think, you know, a lot of the, the problem here is that, you know, politicians, 
uh, and maybe just the way American politics and, and legislation works, see this all as a way to build something and make something. Uh, whereas the thing they have to do, they can build a market till the cows come home, honestly, after they legalize weed. Like, you can just go federally, boom, we're not, you know, no one can be arrested for cannabis anymore. We're going to throw out every state arrest. It's over. No more arrests. And then take all the time you want to develop exactly the market, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, but in the meantime, you're not arresting anybody. I mean, that's just like, you can't sit there and take your time doing this, passing the safe banking bill, using using energy on passing the safe banking bill when there's people getting arrested every day. It's like, you can't fucking do that. You just yeah. cannot do it. And you that's further push these two things further apart at this point. You have yeah. to bring it close together. Absolutely, man. Well said. I mean, it's, it's something that we talk about all the time. Like we need to have, we need to actually legalize it. You know, uh, we just, there was a really good documentary. We talked about um, an interview that was done with um, some Illinois officials. I might send it your way. You might find oh, it yeah. interesting. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, they talk about, they ask the question why in Illinois, a state that has quote unquote legalized cannabis do minorities continue to be arrested at a, a high rate, right? I thought we legalized it. What's going on there? And their answer was, well, this is actually the cannabis oversight regulator for Illinois, which is why I think you'll like this video. It's, you know, an official from yeah. Illinois that's, you know, um, she talks about the fact that there's a possession limit in Illinois. And if you exceed that possession limit, frankly, you can get in trouble. As we've talked about on our show too, we've had, we've had an attorney on our show, um, who's pretty cool. If you want to, if you want to, we can link you up, but, uh, he's talked about how he's seen continued cases of, uh, you know, people getting charged with cannabis possession in the vehicle because we defined what, how you can transport cannabis. It's one of the mm -hmm. tricky things. And one of the, yeah. one of the little pieces we put in the language was that the container had to be odor proof, odor proof to what a canine. Yeah. And if that's the case, yeah. Tell me how. Tell me where I yeah. can get one of those containers. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's the thing. They have these things in uh, in Virginia. It was a similar thing. They, the, the law is worded so that, like, they're going to be handing out DUIs nonstop all day long. If they wanted to, but that's one thing that's in the cop's pocket. They just be like, bang, bang, bang. Because the law is, like, must be locked in the trunk. Must yeah. be in its original packaging. So like, and they allow home grow. So if you have home grow, say you grow a pound of weed and you want to bring it out to your friend's house, there's no legal, you have to walk it there. Mm -hmm. There's like no way you can That's get actually it there a question legal. I asked to the, uh, to an officer because it was like, you know, how do you transport cannabis? He gave me the stock answer, which was that it has to be in a childproof, odor-proof, sealed container. And we've recently added sealable slash resealable, which is great because that means cannabis is no yeah, longer like a, a one-way product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also that if you break, because some people were saying, well, you've opened it, so that means it's going to stay wherever you opened it. It's like, okay, but sometimes I bring over a six-pack, for example, right? Yeah, and I'm yeah, not going yeah. to drink the whole six-pack, so I bring a few beers back home, you know? I'm not going to leave them mm -hmm. at my buddy's house. 
yeah, unless yeah. I'm feeling charitable that night. Sure. But, uh, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. So. No, this is, you know, this is a, and then, you know, it's and he, thing, he didn't know what the answer was though. I asked him right, like, what a homegrown was doing. So they just make shit up <laughs> at the yeah. time of the arrest. Right. And then all of a sudden you're in a legal battle over what's the definition of resealable, at, you know, and you're at your expense. At your expense versus the state, which yeah, because they didn't properly train the officers on what to do in these particular cases, or they don't even know what to do. And really, the answer is right in front of all of us with the DUI thing specifically, which is we're do exactly what the fuck you're doing now, which is test people and see if they're high. You're like, can you walk a straight line? Yes. Can you follow my fingers? Yes. You can drive the fucking car. For real. And I honestly yeah. feel that way. I mean, I don't think that, I, uh, you know, people, some people that get really high and shouldn't drive a car, but there's people, there's medical patients that can't really function in their daily life without being high. And they're actually better at driving under the influence of cannabis than not. So yeah. if, if you, if the cop can't tell from his own senses or from how you're driving, so you get pulled over for, broken taillight or something and they're like you have you we think you're high and you weren't swerving you weren't reckless driving you weren't doing anything um now they they give you the road test and you pass it then they're worried about you might still be high so they they're so concerned about that that they they you know that they've given us the road test the sobriety test you know, to a person that hasn't been reckless driving and they're so worried about not being able to tell if they're high at that point that they won't, they object to legalization. But really they can't do anything fucking now. Right. I will say that, um, you know, I, I get the spirit of where you're coming from. I only slightly disagree just because it comes down to a lot of, uh, what's the word? Um, Oh God, it's their choice. I'm trying to think of, they exercise their, um, not their authority, but, uh, you know, it's kind of up to them. And so if they have any predisposed notions about anybody, he was high. Mm -hmm. yeah, I just don't, I don't want to put the police in the position. I think those like roadside tests are all bullshit. Um, Mm -hmm. but to be funny about it though, uh, to quote Ron white, who's a comedian, he's like, that's not a, fucking sobriety test that's an agility test and i'm not very fucking agile (laughs) you know and so uh he's like you want to see a drunk driving test let me get in the car i'll show you how to drive this fucker but no i i don't think people here's the thing i'm conflicted on impaired driving i want to be clear i'm not conflicted on like whether or not you should do it you shouldn't do it what i'm conflicted on is how we solve this problem because i don't think the 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 BAC thing is accurate. And it's like, people want to get to that standard with cannabis. And it's like, I get where you're coming from, but even that's flawed, you know, the yeah. 0.08 or whatever it is in your state and in, in our state, it's 0.08. Um, yeah. I, 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 so I'm, I'm conflicted on impairment, but I would say I have to agree that like, dude, people like, if you're not like swerve, like it's, it's clear if you're too impaired to drive. Yeah. Right? And, and, you know, and really like the DUI laws, came out, you know, came in like the late 70s and early 80s out of endless lawsuits over death, constant vehicular death via drunk driving. 
That is not happening with cannabis. It would be happening now. <sighs> unfortunately, constant- though, unfortunately, people are trying to say it as, oh, and that's obviously not true. Here's the thing that I want to be clear about, because we have to take these things on, right? We have to take on people sure. who, who disagree with us. So some people will say that in states that have legalized, that they've seen increases of like, you know, when there's fatalities that, that, that people will have THC. They're not saying like, it's not like there's an in- increase in fatalities and THC, although they'll try to pitch it like that. Right. But they're seeing an increase in fatalities and the presence of THC, which you and I both know that does not mean they were high. They yeah. could have smoked I, earlier that month. You know what I mean? Right. So, I, I think that also, yeah, it, that would just but we have to be mindful of those. Sure. I just yeah. don't, it's just, if you can look at, you can look at um, all these states that have legalized. Yep. And there, you know, there's, there's not an increase in death. Right. Like it's not going up. Like it's, <laughs> right. just, it's just the same, you know what I mean? And, it, and, and it, what happens a lot, I think too, with DUIs that they, they'll personally drunk driving, like yeah. hammered and have cannabis on them also. And it kind of was like, no, that's a T, you know, that's a cannabis drug driving situation. Yeah. And really it's like, no, it's a drunk driving situation that he had cannabis on him also. Um, and so like those things get tied together. So a lot of times they'll be like, listen, of all these DUI arrests, 15% of them had cannabis on them. It's like, yeah, they were drunk driving. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. They were all, they were breaking the law, like doing drunk driving, which we know is extremely dangerous. They weren't, it wasn't that, you know, 15% of all DUIs are just people that had cannabis. Right. That's not the case. They're saying 15% of people that are drunk also had cannabis on them and other drugs. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like saying like, you know, people that stopped at, you know, 70% 70% of people that stopped at a red light today uh, tested positive for cannabis. I could use that as a, you know, I could use that as like a thing that's like, Oh yeah, see, they follow the laws and it's like, okay, but is that really like, you know, cause just because they tested positive for cannabis does not mean that they were high at the time. Yeah. No, you know I mean, mean that, just with, that's, that's therein lies the, the, the big problem. issue. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, until there's uh some, cannabis for real cannabis breathalyzer we, we don't have that information and we're going to have to take the chance that we can we're going to legalize what it has to happen <laughs> yeah you know we're going to be taking a chance then if you, yeah. you know uh, but i don't think we're not really taking a chance because we're not nothing is really changing we're, we're not changing anybody's driving habits or using habits or anything yeah. That's just it. It's not like just because we legalize it that tomorrow everybody's going to be like, oh, I'm going to get stoned and drive the car. It's like people yeah. that have been consuming cannabis have been consuming cannabis. Consuming you think cannabis. this is stopping anybody? You There's th- going to really- be like a small uptick on like day two. Of people Possibly. Possibly. It happens a lot. It's like the one first day because it's exciting sure. to buy the cannabis. But you don't... Um, the people that don't like to smoke cannabis that are going to buy cannabis for the novelty of it, aren't going to then keep buying more cannabis. They're only going to buy what they are already used to using. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, to wrap up this conversation, I'll bring up a comic that we've already looked at, but I'll bring it in. I saw this tweet by Natalie uh, Fertig from the from Politico, and I, I, I like the work she does. Um, but, and maybe I'm just like, you know, I can't read or something, but she's saying one of the, and I agree with what she's saying at the end of the day, one of the biggest hurdles faced by cannabis industry, the cannabis industry is how little Americans uh, understand basic elements of cannabis, like the difference between federally, federally legal hemp and federally illegal marijuana. And she, and she links to this uh, article from CNN. The headline is over a third of parents believe CBD and marijuana are the same. And my thing is they, they fucking are the same. Yeah. <laughs> like no, they are. We're splitting hairs. I mean, uh, I, I think that it's the same plant for crying out loud. I mean, it literally it's the is the same thing. And I think the CBD thing um, has, I can't tell if it's done more harm or more good for the movement, really. I mean, yeah. I think it's muddied the conversation a lot. I think um, it, it's, you know, uh, 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 there's been a lot of crazy health claims made about CBD, like more than it's made about cannabis, like way more than they make about cannabis. Like they'll just be like, there know, are CBD I, infused pillows. Yes. <laughs> they have shampoo, like, okay. and like anything you can possibly imagine. Um, you know, it's, it, it's a cure all like for any disease. Yeah. Um, and you know, all of that still is workarounds for the federal legal, you know, the, how cannabis is illegal. I mean, I, I, if they legalized cannabis in 2000, or something. I don't think we never, no, they would never would have invented CBD hemp. Like it wouldn't have been a thing um, because it, it, you know, it was just a, it's a way to circumvent legalization. Mm -hmm. Now, listen, in that, in that, they, they had to have found that CBD does help with some conditions. Um, so I don't, I, I don't want to discount it completely or in any way. I mean, I think that there are, you know, there's pa papers and stuff about how well it works for children's uh, seizures and things like that. Um, but the health claims that were made are just like out of control. And Absolutely. I think people, you know, people are taking it, uh, you know, for contradictory things and be like, I take it to wake up in the morning. I take it to go to sleep at night. I take it, you know, it's like it can't do everything <laughs> it regulates my diet and, right. you know it helps me hear better you know <laughs> it's just like so and I, so you know and i it's yeah i don't know i know there's people that like really cbd has done a lot of things for them i don't want to discount like yeah that. i think it helps people also kind of uh, bridge the gap I think what um, you're talking about is like, I don't know if this happened there, but you're talking about like the CBD that was popping up at like family video and the fucking liquor stores. And it's like, okay, yeah. that's different than Epidiolex, which is like, yeah. you know, I'm not saying everything has to be FDA approved, but it is an FDA approved CBD medica medication that seems to have like data to support that it's effective, right? You For know? this thing. For this thing. Like yeah. very specific thing so, versus yeah, like just rub this cream on your body and it's going to yeah. do arthritis the, you got the gout come on whatever yeah, i mean exactly um yeah i think cannabis kind of gets that a little bit too um not as much though i mean i feel like the that cbd craze that we went through 
a couple of years ago was just like so out of control. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like if, and I, but I feel like now it's, it's, it's settled into a more like normal place, but also it's still that whole culture of just circumventing federal law. And, you know, it's not that different from like spice or like K2 or something where you're like, well, it's, it'll get me a little something or, you know, I can't buy weed, but I sell this. Yeah. It does feel a lot like K2 and, yeah. uh, that's, that's the craziest thing. So, well, yeah. Hey, um, I want to remind people you can go to boxbrown.com uh, to check out everything, Brian box Brown. And, um, uh, Brian, let me just ask you directly. What's the best way that our, our audience could like directly support you besides obviously following you on social media and stuff? Like how can they, like, if they wanted to contribute money, you sound like you had a Patreon and um, stuff. Yeah, I got a Patreon, um, the legalization nation, Patreon. There's, boxbrand.com merch store which is a lot of cannabis related t-shirts and things like that which i'm just kind of getting started with uh uh i'm just kind of throwing some stuff out there but some of the stuff has been well received and so i just got excited i posted made a new t-shirt today actually um and uh also i sell original art from my from my graphic novels um you can buy my graphic novels at any comic book shop or bookstore that you might um, be near your house or on Amazon or whatever. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, I did a book about uh, Under the Giant, Andy Kaufman. I did a book about cannabis, about how cannabis became illegal. And um, I did a book about Tetris, why I know a lot of cannabis users play video games. It's about video games. And um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I do a lot of different things. Hell yeah! Well, I love. I have to say, I love uh, everything you do, and I want to. I wanted to make sure that people had the opportunity um, to contribute. I love your art style. Um, it's really like easy on the eyes, and and it's perfect for comics. You know, um, I gotta say, it looks like you were loading up your dab rig. I always see your dab rig in your comics. Yeah, yeah. No, I actually been using this. Uh, little like nectar collector thing but oh, it's, uh, nice it gets clogged up with with uh, reclaim you got to clean it out <laughs> uh, but i like it that's so shitty this little thing but it uh it works it works good it, 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 i feel like i use less dads because uh it's like you take a smaller hit yeah yeah I hear you on that, man. Yeah. I hear you on that. Well, uh, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. I'd love oh, no to, problem. I'd love to sit down with you again and, and have a conversation with you and hear about how things are going on, um, you know, uh, over, over there, you know? So, yeah. um, cool. yeah, keep doing what you do and, uh, cheers chilling. I hope that, uh, everybody enjoyed today's episode. Take it easy.